to So You Want to Be a Farmer. I'm Melissa, and I live in suburban Maryland. I love to play in my garden, try out all kinds of homesteading skills, and fantasize about living on a farm. You guessed it, I'm the wannabe. My friend Wendy is the actual farmer. In July of 2021, she packed up the contents of her suburban Maryland townhome, and with her two kids, dog and two cats, moved to rural North Carolina, where every day is a new adventure. When Wendy decided to take that enormous leap to fulfill her dream of buying a farm, I wanted to make sure I could follow along every step of the way. This podcast is my opportunity to tag along while helping her document the ups, the downs, and the in-betweens. We're friends, working professionals, Jewish mothers, and total noobs. Neither of us have any experience farming or homesteading. We're just two gals who love the natural world and who seek a healthy and meaningful life for ourselves and our families. Some of you brave risk takers will relate to Wendy. Others, like me, will listen from the sidelines and continue to fantasize about starting our own farm someday while growing whatever we can in our backyards and trying our hands at living the homestead life in the burbs. We hope you'll join us on this adventure, either from the sidelines or while getting your own hands dirty. So put on your muck boots and let's head out to the farm. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Melissa. Today's a special day. Special day. Well, I mean, it's a special day because I get to talk to you after you've been on this lovely vacation for the last, what feels like 19 years. Oh, I know it hasn't been 19 years, but it just felt like you were gone a very long time. Oh, it was delightful and heavenly and serene and wonderful, but enough about me. Um, We'll get to me later. I want to acknowledge the milestone, the, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for here? The auspiciousness, the, what's the Jewish word? Yeah. What's the, what's the Jewish word though? It's, um, Oh God, what's the Jewish word for? It's not a yard site because a mitzvah. No, it's, um, a, I don't know, but the point is, Today is your farm anniversary. It is. Today is my farm anniversary, my one year farm anniversary. I mean, that's really exciting. It's surreal. It's is it? Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful and exciting. And I'm having all sorts of um, introspection about it this week. Just okay. Like sense. what? Oh, gosh. So many things. Um, in some ways, I feel very frivolous about the last year. Um, like I was frivolous. I was playing around. I was doing all sorts of things. I tried lots of stuff. I broke all the rules. I um, did the things that people say you're not supposed to do, which you know was to get seven different species of animals in the first year and plant two gardens and do you know instead of watching and learning. Sometimes I feel like the frivolousness was really important because as mm-hmm. a, someone reflected to me today that I'm I'm kind of an all-in person. My being all-in and trying lots of different things this first year was very much in line with my personality. Try lots of things, see what sticks, you know, be innovative about it and learn and move on. And that really is a lot of how I operate. So I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. I am astonished that my children are still speaking to me every day, every day they're still speaking to me, considering what I've put them through in the last year with all of us on our learning curve, but it was my choice of a learning curve. They just, you know, were dragged along. It's a year. What's your interpretation of the kids still speaking to you? I am so proud of them. I mean, we've talked, we talk about this pretty much every time we speak, but I am so proud of them for their diligence and determination and acceptance of innovation and willingness to fail and their absolute trust in me that, you know, on a Saturday morning when we get up and I'm like, okay, so I've decided today we're going to build a new fence. And they're both like, all right, fine. We'll build a fence. Does the trust surprise you? The trust in something I know very little about surprises me sometimes. Do you think they know that you, how little, you know, I think they do. When I say things like you realize I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I think that would be a dead giveaway. That, that kind of, that kind of is, you know, a giveaway. Yes. It's, it's a little bit of a hint. 
when we're doing something and I get frustrated and I will say in my sheer frustration, you realize I have no idea what I'm doing. But they're very, they're, you know, they're, they're along for the ride in many ways, but they're also, they're also good, good experimenters. Okay. So you got to the farm a year ago today. Well, in a few hours, it'll be a year ago because it was yeah. what, 1145 at night when you pulled yeah. in? It was about 11.45 at night. Um, we drove straight through from Maryland with two cats, the dog, the boys, myself in one car. Um, and the movers, of course, had come and picked everything up already. So we drove straight through and um, got here at about 11.45 at night. And it was in our world then, it was so dark. There are no overhead streetlights out here. And so driving these mountain roads and twists and turns in the dark where I didn't really know where I was going was a little unnerving for those last 20 or 30 miles. Pulled into the driveway, unlocked the house, and we we slept on the floor that first night. And I slept down in the main level because I was I was worried that some what if somebody tried to come in the house? Like I mm-hmm. wanted to be on the main floor of the house. And the kids slept upstairs in their empty new bedrooms. But everybody was on the floor. Yeah. What do you remember from the first morning on the farm? I remember going outside and just standing on the back porch thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is mine. And it was so lush and so green and so hot because um, it was July and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And isn't this incredible? Like, isn't this just the most incredible thing? And then the movers arrived like eight o'clock that morning. They also drove almost straight through because they, the guys who did our move uh, decided they wanted to go fishing while they were down here. So instead of taking two days to get here, they took one so that they have had a day to go fishing before they went back north. That's really funny. In what ways have you grown the most or oh. changed the most since then? Um, that's a really big question. I think my knowledge of gardening has significantly increased and my interest in it has also significantly increased. Um, I, I really, I, I find much more peace in the more, like every morning, get up and go outside and check the garden and look around and see what changed overnight. And um, I really enjoy that just checking in moment. There's an element of letting go of control that is something I feel like I've really grown on this year. I have learned um, how important it is to not fight mother nature. There's, there have been, there have been moments in the last year that I have had to accept actions of mother nature in a way that there was nothing I could do. There was no reason to try to fight it. And I have a much more healthy respect, I think for the land and for any land, mine in particular, but I just think land, growth, trees, weather, God mm-hmm. knows weather, mm-hmm. in a way that before I felt like I had more control over those things. I had more choices over those things. And now there's a there's a huge level of humility around it. I can see both of those things very clearly. I have watched you learn to enjoy gardening. Mm-hmm. I always saw an appreciation. You definitely appreciated yeah. it. It's yeah. just, there's a lot of work that goes into it before you really see anything. But once that plant starts to grow. It's really exciting. And when you can go out day after day and watch a tomato get bigger or begin to blush and then turn red, or you go back out at the end of the day and something looks different than it did in the morning. And just that like every day is a little bit of a treasure hunt. It's exciting. It's much more, the garden definitely feels much more of a hub to mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. now than it did, you know, even, even four or five months ago. So that's interesting. Instead of it being a thing that existed, it's now central to yes all the different pieces of the farm. I also really see the letting go piece because early on, I went back and I listened to our first episode in preparation for <laughs> this particular one. But I also remember There was a lot of learning to let go and expectations. I do see that growth. I think you've um, accepted things that are out of your control. There hasn't been an episode of you sitting down in the middle of a field crying, at least that I know of. 
in quite a while. Well, a few weeks ago, there was an episode of Crying in the Field, but that was out of sheer joy. That was not. Oh, what joy was was that? Noticing how many of the sheep were pregnant. (gasps) And um, I went and I sat in the field and I sat down and they all came over to me. Mm. And even the ones that have been more hesitant to let me touch them, I got to touch them. And Mm. I just kind of sat there at their level and they were smelling my hair and, and cooing and talking. And it was, and I could see how many of these pregnant bellies were there. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, not even a year ago, like not even a year ago, this wouldn't have even been a possibility. Uh, Chris wanted me to share with you. He was listening while we were on vacation. He caught up on some episodes and he wanted Uh me to tell you, he would not know what to do if his lawnmower got a flat tire or had any of the mechanical issues that you have had to deal with, he would have done exactly what you did and look up online how to, oh yeah, how to fix things and would have been equally as frustrated. In other words, don't be so hard on yourself. But I know in the moment it's hard not to be. It is though, I will tell you, I changed the tires on the John Deere this Wow. This Nathan and I got out there. We watched a two and a half minute YouTube video. We put, we lifted it up, put it on bricks, changed the tires on it, got it all set to go. And it still doesn't work. God bless the thing. Well, you tried. And he also said he was really impressed that you were able to sell the lawnmower, mm-hmm. get a good price for it, and then go out and buy one that was more suitable. Yes. Except for the one we bought that was more suitable is the one that still won't work. I got it picked up today. Finally, the lawnmower got picked up today because it's still under warranty. And apparently it has a failed transmission. So I did not oh. break it was the thing that I learned today. Very Was happily. it a lemon? It just came Apparently it's like it's a lemon. Apparently several of them of this, this is not the first one this guy has had to come pick up and fix still within its beginning warranty with a failed transmission. Oh, that's not good. That's I was good. just very happy to know that it wasn't me. Of course. Yeah. What is far different than you expected? When it comes to life on the farm, living in the boondocks, whatever. Um, farm land lifestyle. management, the, the constant management of grass and bamboo and like is, is more than I expected. The actual management of the land. And so there's that, that's an unexpected thing. Not that I expected to have a lot of friends or meet a lot of people because I work from home and, you know, and then the weekends are often spent doing home-based things. But I did expect, I think I expected a little bit more friendliness. I think I expected, and, and there's no reason for that. Like there's no reason to expect that people choose to live remotely for a reason. I think I did expect after a year to feel a little bit more sense of community than they do. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you miss? Yes. I miss, I miss my people as, as I refer to y'all. I miss my people very much. Anything that I miss. I think the fact that you have to think about this is very indicative, maybe. Isn't it telling? Right. It's telling. really interesting that when, when I think about what I miss, like, do I miss Trader Joe's? Not really. I mean, if I want to go, I can go. Do I miss what I miss if I, besides my people? I miss our synagogue community. I miss that hub of a place to go where my kids were there and I was there and there were people and it was this trust and community where it's like, if I didn't see them for two hours, I knew it was fine. Mm-hmm. So I miss that. I really do miss that. It has been a struggle to be Jewish on my own, like to really feel part mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. Even though I work for a Jewish organization all day, it's just a different vibe. So I do miss that. But that may be it, to be honest. I don't, I don't miss the commuting. I don't miss um, the highly structured time. You know, you had kids' activities, and you had this, and there was this thing, and there, you know, the amount of um, scheduling. I just, I don't have that in quite the same way. I have a lot of stuff to do, but it's different. Yeah, it's on your schedule. Anything you do differently? Um, you know intellectually i would probably not have bought animals as quickly as i did intellectually i might have done the bamboo clearing in a different way 
had I known more and I don't believe in regrets and I don't believe in, you know, everything that I have done has taught me something different. So yeah. I don't think that I, I don't feel like I've made some massive mistake that I cannot undo. Great philosophy. I like that. I've heard you say that before and I've thought about it. You learn. Yeah. I just, you know, if I made mistakes, God knows every day, every day I've made mistakes and I've learned from them. And it is, you know, sometimes what I learn is that I'm, you know, I need to buy more band-aids. Sometimes it's things like that. And sometimes it's something massive, you know, something that is something really significant that I can ponder and worry about or, and accept the fact that I learned something. How are the goats managing the land? Speaking of land management, are they eating the grass and the bamboo? They and are. The kudzu? Yeah, they are. They're eating the grass and the bamboo and the kudzu. Everyone right now is eating the bamboo because it's it, the way in which it's coming up. It's still soft, right. right? It's not the big, heavy, thick. So everyone loves the bamboo. The bamboo shoots. Yeah, the bamboo shoots and the cows love it. And, and it also, when it's so hot, right, it also retains water on the inside of the plant. Mm. So they're going after it also for the water content. So everybody's eating it. Are they eating it as fast as it grows? No. It's still out there. It's going to still be out there for a while. The goats are doing a really good job with the kudzu where they are. I have been discussing with the children how I want to move the goats to the front yard just to pasture them there and then move them back at night, which I can do with a bucket of feed, right? Because they'll follow me anywhere if I have a bucket of feed. How many are there? Are there five? Five. Five. And they all mix and mangle or do you have to keep the boys separate? No, right now they're mixed and mangling. The girls are still very young. Yeah. But they're not aggressive. The boys aren't aggressive. Only with me. They 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 want to be. They want their heads scratched every time they see me, and they want to eat my clothes. Oh, yeah. So it sounds a little dangerous to have goats with horns that want to have their heads scratched. Yeah, it is. And what about the little puppy doggies? Getting big. Are they? Yeah, they're so cute. They're doing really well. They are getting to know everybody like they, you know, they're living with the animals, right? So they, they have free reign. They are doing really well with the meat birds who are basically free ranging now in the backyard, but they, in their little area, but they come out of their coop area. And so they're free ranging because I'm fattening them up for the next couple of weeks. They bark at the billy goats when the billy goats are playing with each other. They headbutt each other and they, you know, tussle. The dogs don't like that. So they will bark at them. They're getting bigger. They're still puppies, goodness knows. They still like to roll around and have their bellies scratched all the time. But their their legs are getting longer. Do you see their instincts coming out? Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And you can see their personalities. Bobka, um, the little girl, is way more curious way more adventuresome. She's the risk taker. She's the Mm -hmm. one who's to try to jump a fence or run up to the hillside and bark at Kishka. Sinai is a love muffin. He is this furry little black ball who, not little, he's going to be much bigger than her and he will follow her lead. So we've been separating them a little bit to start training them separately so that they understand that being separated is okay. They both will recognize their names. Like we can yell at them from the porch. And I was going to ask you if they respond to their names. Yep. They respond to their names individually. And then if you yell puppies, they both come together. Oh, yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, they are. They're adorable. Where do you think you'll be this time next year? God. Um, I certainly hope I'm still sitting at this dining room table having a conversation with you. Oh, by all means. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Um, I feel like in this moment, it's almost like it's time to get a little serious. You're going to be, you're going to find this interesting. This week, I was talking to Sam, my farming partner, my 12 year old farming partner, and I told him I was feeling a little overwhelmed. And I, we decided, I told him that I was going to do this and he agreed. I canceled my duck order. I had placed an order for 15 ducklings to come at the end of August and we were going to raise them in the greenhouse. 
I decided that was more than I needed to do right now. Wow. So I canceled my duck order. So I feel like I hope a year from now that I have I have a better idea, if not some semblance of a plan around what I really want to do, what kind of animals I want to raise, kind of garden I want to keep, what part of this becomes income producing, what part of it is just for the family um, or family and friends, and that I am more focused than I have been this year. Where are the remaining ducks? Are there any remaining ducks? Yes, we have the two ducks. The two ducks that we got early on, um, we had, we know we got three, one of them died. We've had these, so we've had these two ducks that are beautifully white and gorgeous and funny and don't have names yet. They are in a large enclosure that used to be a chicken coop for the previous owners. And it's attached to the barn and it has a lot of bamboo in it, but they have their swimming pool back there mm-hmm. and they have their own shelter. I'm hoping they might lay eggs. I'm hoping that maybe oh. they have their own shelter and that maybe they'll start laying eggs soon. Um, Cause that could be really cool. Are they but, female? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're white ducks. They're white ducks. I have not, I have, I have not seen a duck penis. Wow. That would be very interesting. Cause I'm pretty sure they don't have penises do they they do have a penis but it's like this long barb kind of thing that from everything i have read and this is also part of the reason i don't know that i wanted to have like a whole flock of ducks duck sex is violent duck sex it's not consensual it is not consensual and it can be very hurtful oh it is not uncommon for a male duck to to hold a female duck down by its neck are you kidding me no, I mean, ducks, it's ducks, it's violent. So I don't know that I could stomach that. I have one thing to say. Oy vey. <laughs> Oy vey to nature. To that particular aspect of nature. Yes. Who would ever have thought that ducks would be that nasty? Duck, yeah. Duck sex is swans. Very I mean, swans are mean. I could see swans doing something like that. But ducks, I am shocked. Look it up. It's, it's, I believe you. Like, Ducks have been, gan- not gan- are they ganders? Ducks? No, drakes. They're called drakes. Drakes have been known to even kill the females during sex um, or afterwards. And they have, the females have often been bruised and bloodied and beaten. Oh and- my God, I much prefer bee sex. Yeah, bee sex is much better. Even, even sheep sex. Wow. Like he got around when he was here, Thor, but it wasn't, it wasn't violent. Wow. So... Um, what were we just talking about? Oh, we were talking about the ducks before that. I kind of changed subjects really quickly before I responded thoroughly to your admission. And I think it's really a big step for you. Wendella, the fact that you decided to cancel the duck order. Isn't it, isn't it a big step It is actually, it is. I want, I want some credit for the. No, I I realized that I, yeah, that was a learned decision you stepped back your impulse stepped back my impulse recognized that i might have some limits oh my god you're growing i'm growing as a person my baby is growing i mean i was just like if we're gonna have lambs do i really want to have to 15 ducklings again living in the garage and then we have to deal with predators and then they put them outside and then they die and what's the greenhouse situation and I just was like you know what can't right now I just can't are the regular chickens doing okay they are so we had tried to move what we call the upstairs birds right so my normal my laying hens the upstairs birds the upstairs birds how come how do we call them that? Yeah. Oh, because they're on the top half of the property. Oh, okay. Right, oh, upstairs. So Cause there's like, you go down the hill to go to the barn. You go down the hill to go to the barn. Yeah. The meat birds are right now are downstairs. birds. Okay. I like they're that. They're in the back at the bottom of the property that our laying hens have been, and the turkeys have been up here in the front half of the property near the house and near the garden. We thought, I thought we were going to move them down to the big, 
chicken coop area. They'd have space to be inside in a fenced-in area, all of this stuff. I missed them terribly because mm. I couldn't see them all the time. Right. Either. Like they, I, I watch them come and they, you know, eat outside my window when I'm working and I can go outside in the middle of the day and give them scratch in their necks to the car. And, you know, I have I've seen that. Yeah, you've seen it. I miss them terribly when they're up here. So, and they were, they were very unhappy. Really? They didn't like it. They didn't like it. They're used to the upstairs. They've got their fig tree that they can perch in. They get to visit you when you're working. They run by the window with their funny little chicken run. Right. They, and they watch the the cars go by. Yeah. They have plenty of places to be. Mess with the garden. We moved them back upstairs today. Sam moved them back upstairs today for me. I kept saying, I really want them back upstairs. And immediately, you know, they were back to their normal thing. I went outside this afternoon after work to do something in the driveway and Esther ran over and started, you know, cackling at me. Mm. And so I, I feel better that they're back up here and they were laying. We've actually had, we're getting about six eggs a day now, nice. um, which means the birds we got our practice birds that we got. The little ones are now laying practice eggs, which are like the size of quail eggs. The chickens and the sheep are the one long-term constant. Yes. And what's so funny about that? I was, I got one of those Facebook memory things the other day for when I announced that I was moving to a farm because I didn't want to say anything publicly that last year until the closing had happened. So the closing happened like three days before we moved. So I got this Facebook memory and it said something about how I didn't know what the future was going to look like, but I knew that it was going to include my boys, my mom, chicken, sheep, and my dog. Really? Yeah. That was before we got here. I had chicken and sheep on the brain. You didn't mention cats. No, I didn't mention the cats. Isn't that funny? And I owned two at the time. Yeah. But that is very interesting. I do love the sheep and they're they're nice. I like them too. And I did not think I was going to love chickens, but um, they're so funny. I just, I'm, I enjoy them quite a bit. I have developed a very strong fondness for chickens from afar, but did you post something about chickens? You did. What was that? And I said, I wish that I could relate that I had that experience. Oh, because I was hand feeding them cornworms off my tomato plant and watching them gobble them up like cannibals. And I, I wish I could have that experience, not with the hornworms, because those <laughs> are nasty, but with the feeding the chickens. They're they're just in, very enjoyable. I have discovered when I take a step back and look at my Instagram feed, mm-hmm. it is all chickens, uh, lots and lots of different kinds of gardening animal like the dodo and all kinds of cute sweet animal videos of various types uh-huh. and oh and cats with crocheted hats <laughs> because I I found one or two that were really funny and I sent them to Quinn who likes cats and is very into fibers and crocheting and all sorts of natural yarn related things uh-huh. and so now I guess they just pop up all the time and they're Somebody crocheted a top hat for a cat. There's like flowers, you know, these poor cats. It's very undignified. Their little ears pop through and the rest of it's like a flower or an octopus. It's just, there's much more sophisticated. You can tell that they're not happy. If if I tried, if I tried to do that to my cat, um, she would kill me in my sleep. She wouldn't like it. No, she'd be like, don't you dare humiliate me like that. Yeah. I am not she your toy. Not tolerate that. She I would not, not tolerate it. I would have my eyeballs scratched out while I was sleeping. Yeah. So I, um, right before we got on the phone, I got this package from a seed company, and I had ordered some seeds. Which one? Which seed company? Um, this one is Hudson Valley. Okay. Which is a nice small company in the Northeast in the Hudson Valley. Good. Yeah, makes sense that it's called that. And they have these beautiful packages that are often hand. There's like uh, artistic uh, designs on the packages. So let's see, because I don't remember what I got. What I was looking for was uh, heat tolerant vegetables. 
I ordered several things that were heat tolerant because I mentioned a week or two ago that I was talking to a farmer at the farmer's market who was growing broccoli in the middle of the summer. And I didn't understand how you could do that. I couldn't find what he was suggesting, but then I found a whole bunch of other really interesting things. And I was a, I was a bad gardener twice because I accidentally left seeds outside and it rained. That happens. Two times. Okay. It's, it's so like, are they going to grow? It's like a, well, one of them, I just, it was a bunch of beans and I just took a handful of them and tossed them into a big grow bag and there's all yeah. kinds of stuff growing out of it. But the other stuff, like I think I ruined because I couldn't plant all the stuff that was in there and some of the seeds were really tiny. So here's what I got. Nozaki Chinese cabbage. Love it. That's good for kimchi. I want to pickle that. Sugar Whoa. magnolia snap peas, which are purple. Very pretty. Okay. Question. Yes. Can you do snap peas in fall gardening? Yeah. Great. I'm doing yeah. snaps. Uh, Amish deer tongue lettuce, that which is another one of. Graphic. Yeah, I know, right? It's um something that does well in hot weather. Blue jade dwarf sweet corn. I'm not big on corn. I haven't planted any corn, but I know you read Braiding Sweetgrass. And I could go on and on and on and on about how fantastic the book is. I was in the middle of the North Woods of Wisconsin, surrounded by nothing but trees and water and a very large Ojibwe reservation on 77,000 acres. Good Lord. Part of this lake is on that piece of land. Mm -hmm. And so there's all kinds of restrictions about building it's incredible. It, I don't remember the last time I was that isolated in nature and it was incredible. So anyway, she talks about the three sisters garden, which is yes, which corn, yeah. squash, and beans. <gasps> you actually put all three in the same hole when you plant it. Um, and so I just thought that would be an interesting thing to try out. So they grow at different rates. They grow yeah in different base, like the beans are on the ground, the, I'm sorry, the zucchini, uh, the squash is on the ground. The beans are in the sort of in the middle area and they grow up the corn stalk, which reaches up toward the sky. And it's like a perfect combination of foods and nutrients. It's just such a cool concept. So anyway, got some little, little blue corn, some more beets because I love beets. You don't like beets, right? I love beets. Oh, you love beets. That's one of the things that you love. Yes. Um, rutabaga. Don't love that. I mean. Give it a try. I think rutabaga, isn't rutabaga the, the thing that you can make instead of mashed potatoes? Or is that turnip? What is that? Parsnips. No, I don't like par- parsnips. Parsnips to me taste like nail polish remover. You're kidding. I think we've talked about that. There's like a weird, t- I don't like them. Uh, green sprouting Calabrese broccoli, another I'm really warmer curious. weather. Yeah. I'm really curious how the broccoli is going to do in warm weather. Yeah. I will let you know, New Zealand spinach, another thing that you're supposed to be able to grow in warmer weather. Cause spinach is a cold weather crop. Ruby red auric, which has vibrant magenta leaves. It's like a spinach eat raw or saute like spinach. That's very, very nice. Uh, solstice broccoli, which is another one that's supposed to do well in the warm weather. And then Hopi red dye amaranth. And the reason that I got this, it's a nutritious green for summer salad mixes. It's another warm weather green because it's hard to grow lettuces and other kinds of greens in the summer. Yeah, but amaranth leaves are almost like a cross between spinach and kale in their texture. Ah, okay. They're slightly bitter. I'm doing amaranth this year as well for both the grain, because I want to have the amaranth grain, which I really enjoy, but also the stalks are very good for the animals to eat in the wintertime, and then the leaves are really good for people as well as the grain. So it's got a triple purpose. Yeah, this says burgundy red amaranth is heat and drought tolerant, will grow very tall and produce long plumed seed heads. Dark seeds are edible and nutritious as well. Yeah. So I love it. That's, it's a great, um, love it. That's what I got. Very good. 
So I had a couple of interesting things to share. I know this is the farm anniversary. Yes. But I thought I would. Is there anything else that you'd like to reflect upon? Like, do you ever look back and go, I cannot believe I did this? The whole thing or a specific thing? Just like I moved to a farm Mm -hmm. and I now am. It's amazing. I never look back and think about it in those terms. No. Which I'm is, so glad I, mean, I did this. I do that. I'm like, I sometimes I do the, I'm so glad I did this. But it also, it still feels like it is the right place where I am to be. I am, I am supposed to be here. I am supposed to be figuring this stage of my life out. I am supposed to be tackling some demons, like my fear of things with machines and engines. And some of the things that I would have said I could never do this alone, I now do alone. And so I think part of this is, you know, not necessarily a midlife crisis, but it is this phase of it's time to learn to do some of these things and trust myself in a different way. And I've definitely learned to do more of that in the last year, simply because you can't call on people sometimes. Like there isn't somebody who's going to come and do something that's so much easier in a populated area. Yeah. And I would say you've had to deal with a lot of death. Oh, so much death. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a huge amount of death in this last year. There's been a lot of life cycle stuff, period. Yeah. But there has been a lot of death and there's been a lot of dealing like the, the, the process of death, the dealing with death, the, what do you do with the bodies? There's been a lot of that. I have, I have watched more things die in the last year than I think I ever have in my whole life. I'd like to say that I have also learned several things this year. Yes. As a result of spending all of this time with you on the podcast, visiting the farm three times. Did I come out three soon to be four? Yes. Was it three? And a quick afternoon visit with Chris. So three and a half. Three and a half. I real like I said before, I have seen you grow in very specific ways, mm-hmm. which is always nice to see. Very specific, positive ways. You, I've said this before, but you encourage me to take risks, and to it's it's not even taking risks. It's more not being afraid to follow a dream or to pursue something that seems a little crazy or out of the mainstream. But I definitely have done some things that I would not have done because of the inspiration that you have given me. While I was on vacation, Joe caught a pretty good sized fish I think it was a smallmouth bass. It was about yeah. 15 inches long and oh, he wanted great. he wanted it to be cooked. Nobody wanted to deal with this fish. <laughs> and I willingly said I would take it on. Now, these are not like they're hardy fish. It has a big strong spine, big bones, a big yeah. mouth. These are not like little trout that are easy to cut. I had a lot of trouble cutting through the flesh and the bones. And it I was slightly squeamish at first, but it was important to him. Although he ended up taking like one bite and pretended he ate more of it. I think it kind of freaked him out seeing the whole experience. But I thought a lot about the fact that this was a life that was taken, that I was going to use as much of it as possible. I was going to be respectful of it. And again, from the book that I was reading, there's a lot about giving back that you take something, but you also give back and just thinking about how, how does one give back in a situation like this? If I was home, I would have composted the remains. It's really good for your garden, I would have buried the remains. I, I was not really in a position to do that, but it, it was something I thought a lot about. And the really nice thing about it was my dad, who is 
a retired physician who is was also a surgeon. I was having trouble cutting. I also didn't have, you know, I was staying in a Verbo, so I didn't have a wonderful set of knives, the proper knife, but it was really sweet. He came over, he helped me. He was giving me pointers on the best way to cut it. Like I was trying to come from the outside and go in. And he said, you want to put the knife inside and cut from the inside out, which was much more efficient. And he helped me separate the fillets. It was like a real bonding experience. And my dad is not, he enjoys the outdoors, but he's not an outdoorsman. So it was kind of a nice moment, but I was very proud of myself for, for taking it on and treating it with the respect that it deserved and making it taste good because I didn't want it to waste. So that was one thing. I've also been thinking a lot about meat and eating meat. Okay. Again, it's got a significantly large part of it has to do with you and understanding the importance of locally farm-raised meat where an animal has a nice life, where you know exactly what it's eating, how it was treated, like your pigs never left the farm. They yep. they spent all of their days there. And I do a lot of shopping um, online at like Imperfect Foods, but I look at where the food comes from. And when I see that something came from Mexico or California, even if it's organic, I wonder, is that really helping? when it's got to travel all the way across the country, isn't it better to eat in season the things that are supposed to be eaten at certain times of year and not eaten at certain times of year? And even fruit or vegetables that are grown without proper or thoughtful principles, it's it's not benefit. Like you could be a vegetarian and all the things that you eat are harvested unsustainably or very little of what you eat is harvested sustainably. The animals that are producing milk or eggs aren't treated well if you are a lacto-ovo vegetarian. And it just made me think about supporting local farmers and local producers. So I have not taken that step yet, but it's something I've thought a lot about over the last week or so. Does this mean you're going to have a hamburger sometime soon? If I eat any meat, I will take you up on the offer you made very early on in the podcast when you said, will you come here and eat? I was going to say, cause I would like to make you a hamburger. <laughs> I don't know if I, ha- yeah, I mean, I'd have to think about what would be palatable for me. It's been 25 years since I've eaten a hamburger. Another thing that you have influenced me on, and just a little bit, but it's incremental. You have to start somewhere is getting up early. So, oh my God, this morning I got up at 6.30 when I didn't have to be up till probably 7.15 because I wanted to see the garden in the morning because we came home late last night and I was so excited to get out there. And also I knew it was going to be super hot today and I wanted to water before it got too hot, but it was so exciting. I went, I actually went out last night while it was still dark (laughs) and with my (laughs) flashlight on my phone and was looking for vegetables to harvest. And I did manage to find some, but it was really exciting in the morning to go out and see what really had grown. And on the very first day of our vacation, I'd like to try to do this in the future as well. And maybe on more than just one day, but we got up the very first morning at 445 to watch the sunset sunrise to see to me, it's, it could be sunset at that time. Cause it's an ungodly hour. Um, <laughs> we got up and the house was on this lake and there was a little bit of a, it's not really a cliff, but you have to walk down several steps to get to the water and there's a dock at the bottom. So we sat up there. There were two Adirondack chairs overlooking this beautiful lake where you can't see any houses. And we didn't, we couldn't really see the sun rise because it came up. There were trees in the way, but you could, the sky still looked beautiful, but it's funny because it's extremely peaceful at yes, that time of morning, but it's it, not quiet. It, it, it's not no, quiet. It's not quiet. In not fact, quiet. I think it's louder in the in that part of the morning 
than it is at any other time of day because you have all the birds waking up and talking to each other. And there were loons and there were all these other different kinds of birds and other animals and frogs making loud noises. And the mist was kind of settling and the water was glass smooth and occasionally there'd be a little rip on the water and it was chilly, but it was misty and it was like all the people were asleep. There was no distractions from people, but it was, it was like a special time with the animals and with nature. It was very beautiful. And then of course, at about 5.45, we went back and I went back to bed. <laughs> it was so nice though. It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time of day because you can be observant in a way. And there is so much going on. So much. So much going on. Yeah. And there's no distractions. And like, you know, nobody's going to bother you. You can just sit there and observe and, and be. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. And then aside from that, I saw a bald eagle. Good. I saw, we saw, Joe spent a lot of time fishing and I would just go out on the boat and hang out. Uh, we saw a beaver take a swim all along the shoreline and we were very quiet, just watched. And then at one point it smacked its tail on the water and dove under to look for a fish. And then it climbed up on shore and those things are big. Yes. They really are big. Hungry beaver. No, it was really big. We saw loons. Okay. Ducks. Cranes. They were brown, not blue, like herons. I think there was some kind of a heron or a crane. Uh, Wild turkeys. We went on a hike and we saw a giant pile of bear poop. Oh. It was large. Lots of frogs. um, Some fish. And a wild shih tzu. A wild shih tzu? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a a, a feral shih tzu. Who has a feral shih tzu? I'm just kidding. There was a guy mowing a lawn and his uh-huh. little dog ran over from two yards over it looked like Charlie, but with light Brown spots. And, you know, when you're sitting out in the middle of nowhere and there's only a couple cabins around you and all of a sudden this little fluff ball wanders into your yard, it might as well be a wild Shih Tzu. It's very cute. Around here. It's really hard to things wander into my yard all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Could be a random bird. My dogs wander around. You never know what's going to wander into the yard. It could be your animal. It could be someone else's animal. It could be just a nature animal. Yeah. Yeah, there was a a fox in the backyard the other day that the dogs were barking at. Oh, that's good. Uh, No, well, yes. Good they barked. Not good that it's back there. No, but it's good that you have dogs now. Yeah. Because you don't want that kind of thing. I do not. Okay, so as we wrap up here, we've done some reflecting. We've done a little bit of thinking about the future. What are you most grateful for? I am very grateful for my tenacity, mm-hmm. my inability to give up. I'm very grateful. Amen. For mm-hmm. I am very grateful for uh, Zoom. I'm very You're grateful for, for the ability to have a job that allows me to, to live out here. So that's a wonderful thing. I am very grateful for um, books. Mm. So grateful for books. Mm. And how do you think this experience has impacted the kids? It makes them more resilient. I think that it's encouraging problem solving in a way like on the spot problem solving mm-hmm. that requires patience and creativity and acceptance of your situation and the ability to the ability to to navigate challenging situations because I don't coddle them here. Like there's you know when things die, things die. When something breaks, it breaks. Like they they see what happens on the farm. So I think that that's part of it. And I also think that it is giving them a huge sense of responsibility. They've had more chores this summer because they're home, and it's been very hot. And there have been days where I've said very clearly. If they if the animals don't get water, they will die. This is not a, a nice to have. Mm-hmm. This is someone is depending on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, a wonderful thing for them to have an understanding of interdependence. Is this your forever home? I think so. 
unless I find something that's five times the size. <laughs> I'm already, I already look around sometimes and go, 30 acres. I could do 30 acres. 40 acres would be nice. I could do that. You're a dreamer. I love it. I am. <laughs> that makes me think of a poem. Have I ever said this poem before? It's a Shel Silverstein poem. If you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer. If you are a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we'll have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. I love that. That's the very first poem in Where the Sidewalk Ends. That was one of my mm-hmm. favorite books when I was a kid, and you just made me think of it. And I think it's a very fitting way to close out the second season. We'll take a little break and resume around chicken butchering time. Yes, chicken butchering and fall garden planning and a um, little bit of infrastructure work going on in the next few weeks. There will be some there will be some things to talk about. And it will be year two of Chutzpah Hollow and so you want to be a farmer. So stay tuned for changes and new exciting things in both realms, in all yes. realms. In all realms. In all realms. Congratulations. Thank you it's for making really, happen. You're, you're an inspiration. And I'm glad to know you. I'm glad to know you too. I love the fact that we have this living history of what this last year has been like. And that's, you know, this is all on you. I just, I just show up. You do all the work. Teamwork, baby. Yes. All right. Well, take it easy and keep up the amazing work. And I look forward to our next little chat. You do too. Get up tomorrow morning early and go see that garden. Yeah, I think I might. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.